0: It's the Chronicles of Aguna, and it's our first edition of our Euro 2020 Daily. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello, good morning, and welcome to our brand spanking new show, the Euro Twenty Twenty Daily, right here on the Chronicles of Aguna with me, Harry Simeon. Now, of course, of course, uh, as as the tournament begins, as the tournament kicks off, I'll be bringing you guys reviews and news surrounding the matches. But of course, at this moment in time, the tournament. Uh, is still not underway. Just one more sleep to go until Euro 2020 kicks off. I can't wait. As I said to some of you guys yesterday, I love uh, European uh, European football. I love international football when it's it's a tournament, when it's a big deal, when there's something to play for. Bin all the pointless friendlies, get rid of all of them, can't stand them, them, hate them, hate the way they disrupt the season when it comes to European Championships or the World Cup, I am always buzzing for it. And I spent some time uh, last night putting my new stickers in my sticker book. Yes, I'm a massive man child. Uh, Still got a few, fair few more to go. So I'll have to nip out today and get a few more packs in. But as I said, with no action to review just yet, with the fact that the big game that kicks off the tournament takes place tomorrow night, we'll be looking ahead to that on tomorrow morning's show. Um, I realise this is a really different time uh, to those of you who regularly tune into the Chronicles of Aguna, but we wanted to make sure that we could do this daily, and the only way I could make sure that I get it to fit in within all the other work that I've got to do throughout the course of the tournament was to put it at this time. So around about 8.15am every morning, we'll get going, we'll get stuck into the Euro stuff, and then it'll be available, of course, uh, to those people who prefer to listen via audio around about nine o'clock. So everybody wins that way. So without further ado, let's get in to some of the big Euro 2020 news. Now, when we did the preview show yesterday, or when I shared my views with you guys on who who might win it, who might win which group, how the groups I thought were going to pan out, one of the things I mentioned was the difficult situation that Spain currently find themselves in. And Spain have had a couple of players test positive for COVID-19 ahead of the tournament. And this could prove to be a huge problem, not just because Spain could be missing those two players, because the two players are uh, Diego Llorente of Leeds United and obviously Sergio Busquets. But the problem here is that Spain could find over the next few days that they have more cases as a result of these guys being infected. And that could throw their chances. And, uh, and you know, a lot of people looked at Spain going into this tournament and keep saying, you know, they're not as good as they were. And, and I get that, but they still had a really decent squad, a really talented squad in comparison to some of the others, a, a squad with great pedigree. But they could be in a position now where they're going to start to identify more and more cases, and that could be a big problem. So I just want to explain to you guys what exactly is going on here. So Luis Enrique, his preparations have literally been Been thrown into the fire because, as I say, a second player, um, in Diego Llorente, tested positive on Tuesday, and was put into isolation just two days after Sergio Busquets had to leave the training camp after also contracting the virus. Now, all group training within the Spain camp has been suspended. So, even if they were to get away with just having those couple of cases, the fact that group training just 36 hours before the kickoff of the tournament has had to be suspended is a big, big problem for the Spanish. And it's not the ideal preparation by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, But what Spain have had to do was they've had to call up a parallel squad. Now, Lorente's positive result was uh, was made public not long after the Spain under-21s beat Lithuania 4-0 on Tuesday in Madrid. And the match was actually supposed to be played by the senior team as their final warm-up, but instead it featured 16 debutants, 11 of whom have now been called up to join what's being called a parallel squad, working in case they are needed to come in and fill in for any further outbreaks. Um, Players that, of course, test positive must stay in isolation for at least 10 days, meaning both Busquets and Lorente will miss the opener against Sweden. It will also be unlikely that they'll be available for the second match against Poland on June the 19th Um, and of course Spain's final group game that takes place in uh, Seville on June 23rd against Slovakia so yeah um, far from ideal preparations from the Spanish side and we already looked at that side and went well it's not as good as it has been in recent years and I'm not sure many people gave them a chance of, of going on a win in the tournament but they'll be bitterly disappointed with the timing of all of this because As I say, at the moment, all we're aware of are two positive cases, Diego Llorente uh, and Barcelona, Sergio Busquets. But that could change in the coming days and that could plunge the group into further turmoil, which would really, you feel, uh, damage Spain's chances of, you know, potentially even getting out of that group. You know, it's not an easy group. Sweden are in there, Poland are in there. Two sides that I don't massively rate, but I look at, you know, I look at, for example, the Swedes and, you know, I feel I know he's 39 years old, but I felt had Zlatan been, been going over there, you would have got maybe that little bit of X factor that you don't normally get uh, without him. I think bringing him back was a good move. It was a smart move. Um, so Sweden are going to be without Zlatan, which, in my opinion, impacts them. Um, and then you look at Poland and you look at some of the players they've got. And yes, they've got Robert Lewandowski and they've got a few talented players around him. But is that squad capable of going far? I'm not sure. (coughs) Oh, my God. Apologies. Hay fever. I knew there was a downside to doing this first thing in the morning. Uh, Let me have a sip of the coffee. Good morning to everyone joining us as well. Uh, Everyone joining us live. Hope you're all well. Uh, Let's move on. Uh, So that's the situation with Spain. They've got players that have tested positive for COVID-19. What does that mean for their preparations or well, for the time being? It means that all group training has been suspended, which is a big bloody problem uh, when you consider, as I said earlier on, that we're just 36 hours away from the tournament. Uh, moving on, I want to talk a little bit about Scotland because there's been a lot of hype about Scotland going into this tournament. Of course, Scotland haven't qualified for a major tournament in a long, long time. So there were wild celebrations when it was confirmed that they would participate in this summer's championships and rightly so congratulations to them I was watching their their game and and you know willing them on uh, in the playoffs to to get over the line and to do it and to to get there because I don't know you know what maybe it's because I've been to Hamden Park I went to Hamden Park a couple of years ago now uh, to watch Cyprus I know Cyprus aren't any good but I went to watch Cyprus and First of all, everybody was incredibly friendly and welcoming. I know there's no rivalry between Scotland and Cyprus, and obviously that makes that makes a difference. But to see so many people turn out for a game between Scotland and Cyprus at Hampden Park to roar the national anthem with the passion that they did, I kind of I felt like I, I was going to have a soft spot for for Scotland moving from moving forward from that, and I was right because. Since then, you know, I've I've really enjoyed uh, sort of getting behind them, and particularly uh, when they were bidding to get into the Euros, and they've done it, and they're there. But the big debate is around how good are this Scotland side? How far can they go? Are they kind of riding on a wave of enthusiasm of of positivity, having qualified for the first time in ages? I think that's probably the case. I think when you look at the team, there are a couple, there are a few standout players. Obviously, you know the likes of. Uh, Kieran Tierney, our very own Kieran Tierney, fantastic player. You look at Andy Robertson of Liverpool, another top, top level player. And I think they've got some decent players in and around that, you know, the likes of Scott McTominay, the likes of, um, John McGinn, et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, you know, how much can Steve Clark get out of this group? And the reason I'm talking about Scotland is because I think they probably will finish third in the group. Uh, behind England and Croatia. I don't rate the Czech Republic at the moment for for whatever reason. I've seen them play on a couple of occasions lately, and I've never been impressed. I saw them play against England not so long ago, and I also saw them uh, play. Sorry, not against England. I saw them play against Italy, and I wasn't impressed, and I've seen them play um, in another couple of friendlies over the last sort of six to eight months or so, and I know they've got a couple of players from the Premier League, and people kind of doing cartwheels about that and suggesting that they're going to be really difficult opponents. But I think Scotland pipped them to third place. But how far can Scotland go? And the reason I bring this up is because former Scotland uh, boss Craig Brown uh, has backed Steve Clarke's current squad to produce a shock at Euro 2020 and get a load of this. Go the distance. Craig Brown is backing Scotland to go the distance in this European Championships. Now, shocks are not completely unheard of. If you cast your mind back to 2004, Greece were crowned European champions. If you think back to the last tournament, nobody really gave Portugal uh, much hope, yet they were crowned European champions. So it's not beyond the realms of possibility that there would be a shock, but Scotland, I don't think so. Uh, Craig Brown was, of course, the man in charge of Scotland at the World Cup 23 years ago and believes uh, that this current group of players have the credentials to write another underdog story. Speaking to Sky Sports, he said, we don't care how we qualified. We are there. I think we've got a team that is capable of getting us the full distance. Honestly, I'm not being daft or patriotic. I'm genuinely optimistic we can go the distance here and we have every capability in that team. When I see the other countries that have won it, Portugal won it without winning a group game. Greece won it. And way back in 1992, Denmark won it. They came from nowhere. It is possible for someone else, not a big, high-profile team, to win it. And I think Scotland have a chance this time. Incredible. Uh, incredible claim from, Scott, uh, from Craig Brown. He's very, very confident. Um, you know, I get the buzz. I get the hype. I get the excitement about something like that. But Scotland to win the European Championships? I don't think so. I'd be sh- shocked. I'd be, In fact, I'd be so shocked. Uh, that I'd want to get hold of of, of Craig Brown and, and drop him an email or something uh, to congratulate him on that outlandish prediction if it was to come off. But I don't see it. Big good morning to those of you joining us now. I know some of you join us a little bit later. I hope you're all well. I uh, hope you're all good. hope you're all looking forward to the tournament. Um, we're going to be, as I say, we're going to be bringing you this uh, live stream from 8.15. I was going to do 8 a.m., but to be honest with you, by the time I get up, try and blow the hay fever out of my nose and get on with a podcast, um, I probably need until 8.15. So let's do 8.15 Monday to Friday. And as as I say, once the tournament kicks off, we'll be reacting to the games the night before And then we'll be looking to ahead to the games on that day at the moment. uh, The tournament is yet to kick off, so we're just discussing some of the news and some of the views doing the rounds ahead of the big kickoff. If you've got any questions, if you've got any thoughts, feel free to drop them in the chat box. And don't worry, we're still going to be bringing you the same level of Arsenal content. So we're still going to be bringing you a live stream this lunchtime uh, where we're going to be discussing Arsenal's interest in the Swedish striker, uh, Izak, which, of course, Uh, Gray mentions in the chat. Uh, So, yeah, we're going to touch on that a little bit later on on our Arsenal-related shows. Um, Moving forward, let's talk a little bit about Belgium because uh, it seems like they are going to be without Kevin De Bruyne uh, for their first game, which is obviously a bit of a blow because Kevin De Bruyne is, uh, you know, an incredibly talented player. Um, He's brilliant. He's He's their talisman. And, you know, the fact that he's not trained yet with the team suggests that he probably isn't going to be available for the first game. Maybe not even the second one, which would be a blow for Belgium. Um, I talked a little bit about Belgium yesterday because I feel like it was kind of I feel like Belgium's time might have just passed. I know that sounds a little bit stupid, but you think back to a couple of years ago and you think at like the level that Eden Hazard, for example, was producing and performing and Kevin De Bruyne, and a load of others around them, and and they didn't manage it then, so they're going to manage it now. I'm not 100% sure. I'm not totally convinced of Roberto Martinez's credentials either, which which poses a problem for me. However, what I would say is that Romelu Lukaku, when you're talking about Belgium, is at a level now uh, that I believe he's never been at. I think this is Romelu Lukaku's absolute peak. I think he's learned an incredible amount of things under Antonio Conte and he's taken his game up to the next level since joining Inter. So I expect, uh, Romelu Lukaku, uh, to be, you know, on fire this tournament. And I think he's a decent shout for the golden boot. I've got to be honest. Uh, what else we get to about? Final thing I wanted to talk a little bit about was, uh, was England. And, um, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm all for the hype. I'm all for getting excited about a tournament. I'm all for getting behind your nation, back in your nation. Why is everybody going bonkers about Jack Grealish and his... uh, Jack Grealish. Phil Foden and his hair. Oh, he's the new Gazza. Listen, Phil Foden is a fantastic talent, a really, really good player. But don't pin your hopes on a kid because you pin your hopes on a kid. The chances are he ain't going to be able to deliver uh, to that level. The chances are he's not going to be... able to carry the nation on his back at just 21 years old. And look, Phil Foden, I think is the best English talent out there at the moment. I really do. I really, really rate this guy, but the pinning of the hopes on, on Phil Foden, I think is dangerous. You know, don't pin them on Phil Foden, pin them on Harry Kane, pin them on Marcus Rashford, pin them on Jaden Sancho, pin them on Jordan Henderson. Harry Maguire, John Stones, players who have been there and done it, players who are experienced, players who are further along in their careers. It'll be great if some of the youngsters can, uh, you know, have a big impact and and, and take England to where they want to be. But don't pin your hopes on them. Don't be unrealistic. I'm just, you know, the amount of things I've read over the last two days about, about Phil Foden's hairstyle and, and how that means it's coming home, it's, it's driving me absolutely bonkers. England have got a massive, massive game. Um, on Sunday. Huge game. And we'll probably do a video uh, just sort of focusing solely on that game, actually, uh, because I think it's one worth really digging into and and diving into. Um, You know, there's lots of decisions for Gareth Southgate to make with regards to his team selection. Who's going to play up top? Um, And when I say up top, I mean in and around Harry Kane. Who's going to play in the centre of midfield? Is Henderson fit enough? We haven't really had uh, any more communication on that i'm sure there'll be a press conference or something along those lines uh, in the next sort of few uh, or in the next couple of days that will maybe give us a bit of an indication on that but yeah um going to leave it there for today uh, so just to round up the news spain's preparations are in turmoil after they had a second case of covid-19 within the camp diego lorente the man with the uh, with the second case it means group training has been suspended by the Spanish, which is far from ideal, which is 36 hours to go until the tournament kicks off. In other news, uh, former Scotland boss Craig Brown believes that his nation have what it takes to go all the way. I'm not so sure about that, but fair play for optimism and enthusiasm. And of course, England. Uh, are taking on Croatia at the weekend. As I said, we'll bring you a preview of that. Uh, And we'll also uh, just quickly remind you of the news regarding Kevin De Bruyne, who is yet to train with Belgium. So Kevin de Bruyne uh, is a doubt for Belgium's opener and possibly their second game as well, which is a big, big blow for Roberto Martinez. There's no doubt about that. Don't forget to hit the like button if you haven't done so already. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel if you're new. And we're going to be back later on with some Arsenal related content. Hope you enjoyed uh, the Euro 2020 daily. And as I said to you, it will get better because we'll have actual matches to talk about. Man, how I've missed actually talking about football matches rather than transfer speculation. So I'm looking forward uh, to doing that. And of course, on tomorrow's show, we'll be looking ahead to Italy versus Turkey, the Euro 2020 opener to be held in the eternal city of Rome. Until then, take care. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast.